Hey guys, what's going on? It's your best friend, your pal, your roommate, Zach Lyman, and you're listening to the Zach Lyman Podcast. Thank you so much. You didn't have to come back, but you did, and we appreciate it so, so much. And uh, if you want to support the podcast, head over to ZachLymanPodcast.com, check out the new website, buy a t-shirt if you're just feeling it, you know? If you're just looking around and you're like, this is the one I want to wear, you know, check it out. A beautiful new website, tons of ways to listen, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, all those links are up there. Uh, head over to ZachLymanPodcast.com, you know, that's the only sponsorship we're doing here, you know, we're sponsor-free, we're gluten-free, I recently cut out dairy, we're doing it all, you know, we're really turning our lives around on this podcast, and today on the show we have Eric Escobar, who's a very talented comedian from LA, and uh, we talk about his comedy career, we get into the weeds about comedy just a little bit, and touring, and what that's all about, uh, but really fun interview, really enjoyed it, and I can't wait until he comes to Phoenix, he's actually doing laughs very soon in December, and uh, he's making his way up to Phoenix, and hopefully we get a cup of coffee, or we go to Goodwill, you know? Just sipping and thrifting. You know, I think that's what our future is going to be. But uh, I'm not going to take any more time. Let's just get into the episode with Eric. I'm excited to be on the show. This is, I'm doing it from the cheapest uh, motel on Fremont Street that I could find. So, really bring in the class for Zach. So, ah, yes. <laughs> um, if you, if you don't mind, could you introduce yourself and maybe what you do and so on? Yeah, my name is Brock Lesnar. I'm a four-time WWE champion. Uh, I've gotten multiple. No, I'm not. Um, I wish I was. Mm. He's a strong man. He's um, very tall. <laughs> I'm a comedian. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. Do all that stuff. Just trying to pay the rent. And um, yeah, I'm currently in Las Vegas doing some shows. But in a couple of weeks, I'm actually going to be in your neck of the woods. I'm going to be yeah. last on. And uh, COVID's been a weird time for comedy, but I'm super stoked that it's still kind of sort of alive on a respirator. Yeah, 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 that it, that it slightly exists. Um, <laughs> when, when are you doing laughs? Uh, the 11th and 12th of December. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clubs ever. And uh, I love doing Arizona. It's, uh, it's fun people, fun time. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So you've gone to Phoenix often? I've gone to Phoenix a couple times. It's not around anymore, but I used to do a club called Stand Up Scottsdale. I've I've done Stand Up Scottsdale, yeah. It's a wild place, to put it mildly. Yeah, yeah. That was like, um, uh, that was the first club that like let me in because I was like 19. Uh And everywhere else was like, no, you gotta be 21. So I spent a lot of time just being underage at a comedy club. <laughs> well, I remember I got booked like, I don't know, typical back out bookings, like maybe a year, nine months in advance. Yeah. And I followed up the week before, like, is it still on? Yeah, I get there. And they're like, oh, wait, you're performing this weekend? And I'm like, yeah, if, if, it's, if it's still cool, I kind of drove nine hours to get here. That'd be, that'd be dope. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you on. We'll figure it out. I'm like, wait, we saw it like a year ago. And then I remember right before the show happened, um, they went outside and there was maybe like six or seven comics, a handful of guys just, you know, smoking cigarettes in the alley or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, who wants to host for the weekend? <laughs> literally, like, they all rose their hands. They're like, all right, you, you're getting the work. And I'm like, this is insane. This is a crazy club. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's- um, happy, I'm happy that it was around for when it was around. It was a cool time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you and I, we've never met, right? Not, Not that I can. Okay. Go or anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because like I've I I've seen your name. I've seen your picture. Like I've I know who you are. Because uh, like, and I also know that we have tons of friends in common. From oh yeah. Comedy. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, but it is funny that you you've come to uh, Phoenix and uh, you know we've never crossed paths that way. Um, when did you start doing stand up then? I did my first mic in 08, um, okay. I did my second mic in 2010, and then I got serious in like 2011, 2012. Okay, yeah, yeah, so like roughly we've been doing that around the same amount of time. Oh, uh, word. Yeah, I started in like 08, 
okay. uh, roughly and kind of doing the same thing of like, uh, well, I, I started with um, coffee shops and I was yeah. going to like doing a bunch of coffee shops. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. And like just setting up my own events and just being like, I'm going to invite all my friends. And then, <laughs> uh, and then later people are like, you know, there's like clubs for this. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, I, maybe I'll branch out besides this coffee thing. Maybe I'll... <laughs> well, the scary thing is, I think when you start comedy, it, the hardest part about comedy isn't writing your bits, it isn't hecklers, it's really just making that first step. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, get... Because people talk about it for years, like for 10 years, they'll be like, I want to do stand-up, and they never try it because it's frightening. And it's crazy because I think there's another hard step where, for a lot of us, we start doing it in our garage for garage shows, in coffee shops and bars and we kind of get used to that and we know the bars of all the fun shows you know the coffee shops all the fun mics so we kind of yeah. just end up chilling in that area for a while until we make the next step of like oh wait i can like hit up a club or <laughs> i didn't realize that i just thought i had to work for americanos you know what i mean yeah it's also uh this may sound so stupid but um you'll get it is is that weird transition where you're like man i wish i was on that show and then someone's like, you've never asked to be on my show. And you're like, oh, I could just ask <laughs> about being on a comedy show. I have buddies who are like, oh, man, how did you book that run up in the Northwest? Or how did you get, you know, that club in, like, New York? And I'm like, I, I asked. <laughs> like, I called them. And I was like, can I do this? And they're like, yeah, in six months. And I was like, okay, I'll see you then. <laughs> yep. and, back. and you're like, oh, wait, I thought there was a lot more. I thought I needed, like, a manager or something but no just ask until they say yeah. yes just a gmail account you know that's all you need <laughs> all you need i have a yahoo i'm not even playing the game right whoa you know? do you have a do you really have a yahoo i really do have a yahoo account and it's attached to so much stuff that i can't not have the yahoo account anymore it's like too intertwined mm. the web of maybe that's why they respond they're like yahoo this is <laughs> like, you know they're seeing all these gmails come in and they're like hold up this guy's got a yahoo i gotta you look at the roster for the year it's like bah 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 at aol.com bah 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 at rocketmail bah 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 and you're like wait how come only the people with horrible email accounts are getting their work <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's been doing comedy so long he has a yahoo account you know that's yeah. <laughs> we just hit him up on his zanga all right we really <laughs> All his bookings through his live journal. It's very impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Him and uh, Dane Cook are still on Friendster. Those are the two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's actually my, uh, that's my new agent, Friendster. Friendster uh, <laughs> Incorporated. Yeah, it's just a, like the eight of us, you know, we work out of an office. It's fine. <laughs> office, mom's garage, you know, it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> So you're you're in Vegas. What do you you got a show tonight or? Yeah, I'm doing the Notoriety Theater on Fremont Street tonight. Um, have you ever worked Vegas? It's a weird place. No, I've never worked Vegas. Vegas is interesting because I feel like everyone tries to get tickets to like Penn and Teller or Cirque du Soleil or yeah. Blue Group, and it's too expensive, and they lose all their money at the slots, or they lose all their money at blackjack, and the casino's like, hey, come to this free horrible comedy show that you don't want to see but you need a break and yeah. that's what they do so it's like everyone who's there like doesn't want to be there and they're all like tourists like ah, i lost all my money make me laugh and you're like all right <laughs> please just give me my free uh well vodka crayon after that'd be nice yeah, just sweating being like these yep these are my jokes <laughs> Vegas would be like such a huge comedy scene and it is there's a ton of great comics out here there's a ton of yeah. great venues, clubs out here but the audiences are super weird I've always had weird shows out here personally yeah are you so you've the show you have tonight have you done that venue before I have not I um I did a couple venues on the strip a couple of them moved around um LA comedy club used to be valleys there was jokesers for a while yeah um, a lot of fun solid clubs but it's kind of in this time I feel like I've never been picky, but I'm extra not picky now. So it's like, yo, this is three hours from my house and I can make gas money. Let's do it. Like, I'd rather do that than sit at home and, you know, yeah. drink my lot in sadness. Yeah. 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 I, I fall into that category of, um, I was telling this story the other night about, I got this gig once on like a Wednesday night 
uh-huh. um, and it was like very last minute and it was 20 minutes from my house and uh, the booker was like, I just, I can't seem to get anyone that wants to do it for 50 bucks. And I was just like, I have, I have nothing happening right now. <laughs> like, I, I was going to sit at home. Paid? I thought, uh, I was just, yeah. I was yeah. yeah yeah so i like i was like yeah i'll do it for 50 dollars and they were like very grateful and they and it was like a 20 minute set and it was like they wanted a comedian to open for a band is really what oh, it was. yeah so they're like i guess like they did book someone and when they found out that they that it wasn't just a comedy show that it was like actually everyone's there to see this like uh very cool band by the way um Oh man, I don't remember what their name was, but they were wonderful. And uh, yeah, I, I did 20 minutes of just like hanging out, worked on new jokes and like they ate it up and then I got to like see a free concert and it was, it was great. Crazy <laughs> how there are bookers who will apologize. They'll be like, I can only offer you 500 bucks. I'm sorry. Only 500 bucks for 10 minutes of work. And you're like, yeah. oh, this is great. And then there's other bookers where it's like, yeah, uh, you're getting paid $5, no more. You're going to do an hour for us. And uh, yeah, screw you. And it's like, wait, <laughs> yeah. why are the apologetic ones, the ones giving you like real patience? Yeah, yeah. So sorry. So sorry. We're paying your rent this month, but also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then, yeah, the other ones that are like, I will give you 10% off of the food here and that's it. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> you get half off chicken wings, maybe if you're good. And you're like, yeah. I didn't get up trying. <laughs> I'll give you a drink ticket and it won't work on most things. <laughs> I remember there was actually, I forgot what club it was. I was working at a club in Vegas. This was years ago, but they gave us a bunch of drink tickets and we're like, oh, okay, cool. So we try to take them to every bar in the casino. And everyone's like, oh, it's not here. It's the, it's the other bar. I'm it's like, oh, okay, oh, it's not here. It's the bar. We finally get to the bar. I think it's beer and wine only. It's only like Bud Lights and like, you know, box white wine. And we're like, it's okay. We can still like get these in. And then we gave it and they're like, oh, these aren't free tickets. They're two for ones. So it's like, we just want to stop in for a beer. We don't even want to get drunk. But now we, we forced ourselves to buy yeah. a beer so we can get the free beer. Just so we can feel like we're getting paid. I hate everything. I'll have two more beers. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, if you think about uh, how much you paid for parking and that drink that you just paid for, and you're like, how much money am I losing <laughs> to do this gig? And they're, so you know, you're familiar with the comedy store, right? Yeah. Super cool spot, super great spot. No disrespect to the store, but you got people hanging out there every night. You got comics trying to, you know, make their name, cut their teeth, hang out there every night. And I'm like, yo, even if you only have a couple beers, it's like 10 bucks for a PBR. On top of that, you paid for parking or your Uber. Plus yeah. you're hanging out all night. Like, I, it's so expensive to be a comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I require so much money. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's one of those things that you just try to like not think about and you go, you go, I made this much this month. I'm not going to think about how much gas and food and stuff. I'm just going to, we're going to forget that part exists and uh, <laughs> just go with the comedy part. But, I used to um, the road and it was crazy because if I was flying out somewhere, you'd have to check the box of shirts. So there was this constant anxiety of like, if I don't sell three shirts, I'm screwed because <laughs> I already yeah. paid like 50 bucks to just get it out there. Now yeah. it's made another 50. Hopefully I sell it out and everything bring it back. But it's, oh man. You I ever, you ever, this. you ever do the move where you wear all of the clothes that you're bringing and then you, oh. uh, and then the backpack is full of like all the merch. <laughs> my hack. I have a big fanny pack. I think I have, I have a big fanny pack and that's where I put like all my essentials, my phone charger, all that stuff. Could probably fit like a shirt, maybe some shorts, maybe some underwear. So put everything I can in this fanny pack, which like doesn't technically count because, you know. And I feel like I always have the luck of being able to check in my huge bag to just like have on me as a carry-on. But on the way back, I've had a few instances where it's like, all right, I'm wearing four sweaters out of my bag. I'm wearing two <laughs> t wearing all my underwear put on this pair of pants on that pair of pants just so I can make this bag small enough so it can fit in the thing. And I'm going to be like, come on, thank you. Let me get naked now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hold on. I have to go do some work <laughs> real quick. <laughs> Take all this off. Yeah. 40, 40 bucks. If I don't need to, I won't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So did you start doing comedy in LA? I did. Um, high school and college was a lot of improv. So I did okay. a lot of improv in high school, a lot of improv in college, did theater in college. 
And um, I was graduating or I was about to graduate and I like, I had a job working at a record label that was looking to be a full-time thing. Really? Um, on a couple other jobs. And it was just one of those things where it's like, if I can, I, I'm going to hate a desk job. Even if it's super fun, I'm going to hate a desk job. I'm going to love comedy and I really want to do comedy. I've always wanted to do comedy. Let me just try this out. So, um, you know, I had a real job for a minute, had a couple part-time jobs, but always comedy on the side. And then eventually, next thing you know, you know, it, the, the comedy pay was breaking even. It wasn't just like spending money. Then it started to get a little better. And then it was like, cool, I can start like making this work. Um, but it took a while. You know what I mean? From when I first yeah. started to when I was full time, at least seven years, give or take. And that's, I'm still not making a ton of money. You know what I mean? So when you worked at a record label, what were you doing with uh, at that job? It's crazy. I feel like a lot of the stuff I did at that job actually translated to comedy because um, I feel like there's a, I feel like there's a lot of things in comedy that are, I'll put it this way. I honestly feel 5% of doing standup is like performing. It might even be like 4%. It's like 20% driving everywhere. It's like 50% like sending out a dozen to two dozen emails a day of just like, please book me in 2025. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. And I feel like at the record label, I was in a marketing job. So I was their college marketing rep. So whenever they had a big release, I would like pitch it to colleges, get college radio. Get oh, that's merch. cool. Um, and then eventually I was like a, I was like a secretary. I was like an ad, admin assistant for like a year. And um, just learning how to market bands was kind of cool because it, I still do that stuff for comedy, you know, just yeah. like, get your handles out there, um, drop flyers places, try to get on college radio, you know, try to do like fun little parties to promote yourself. Like it's, it's crazy how much marketing there is in comedy. And I would have never been able to apply that if I didn't have that gig. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I've talked about that before about how I, uh, uh, my friends were in bands and they were like kind of like you know getting big in the local scene and stuff like that and I was like seeing what they were doing and then when I got into comedy I was like oh also that and then exactly yeah the whole concept of like bringer shows and like pay to play where it's like you got to pay us 50 bucks or sell 100 bucks for the tickets in order to get on not really my jam not something I really advocate for I understand it but not something I really like but when I was working in music you see all these bands just like oh god they're just they're grasping at straws and trying so hard to sell tickets then you see other people who are doing shows getting paid who don't need to sell the tickets and it's like what are you two dif doing differently because for yeah. me that i want to be on that side i don't want to have to beg all my people to come out to every show you know what i mean yeah. so seeing like oh you market yourself this way you put yourself this way you don't have to do this bringer if you you know they they think you're better than you are <laughs> <laughs> and you're like well these are some shitty credits you know what i mean like these are this is what i can do like yeah yeah that's like i was talking to someone the other day about uh like podcast marketing which is like it is it's like comedy they're very similar and um and they were like yeah it's like they were talking about how they were struggling to get guests and stuff and i was like i was like yeah just get a website that makes it look great <laughs> you know like, a, i'm like do do i'm like have like good pictures and stuff you know it's like very much like going back to like how to get booked in comedy of like have have some nice headshots that are not just iPhone, you know, like let's, you know, some of these small things that can really make people go, Oh, this is, this is a real thing. This is really happening. You know, hundred percent. Like yeah. I think there's, there, there's a lot of weight that comes with that. Cause if you've done, you know, a bunch of, sh like you can have a comic in the game for 10 years, but if not on, if they're not on social media, you know, if they're not doing all this stuff, they're doing the same mics, the same shows that, you know, yeah. they've always been doing where you can have a cat in the game who just like gets it. And after a year, they're blowing up. And it's like, how did you do that? And they can literally just be like, I have a mailing list. Like straight up, just like, I've, I've started a mailing list. And now I email where my shows are. And I get 500 people in because they've been coming to my shows for the past six months. And you're just like, I, I've been in this for a while. I probably should have started that seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's like a real thing of like... Um, you know, like how hard it can be to get into like some clubs or like to travel or whatever, especially like it, it's incredibly hard to get into venues that are in a city you don't live in, you know, like it's way harder because you're not able to walk up and be in person and meet the booker and just be around and all those techniques of getting booked like in your own local city. So it's like, um, you know, but it might be very easy for you to rent a small box theater 
and email it out or you have a TikTok following and you're like, yeah, I just told everyone on TikTok. Well, that's what breaks my heart. It's like you see some new comics do these burner shows and they're bringing out 30, 40 people and they're not getting paid. And these yeah. people are buying, you know, parking plus a ticket plus two drinks. They're spending, you know, 80 a pop, 100 a pop at the show for you. And you're like, if you just sold $10 tickets and rented out a theater, you could make a grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like, do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But yeah. It's like you would have been, that would have crushed. <laughs> like, yeah, comedy. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's still it. alive. It's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's 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 kind of there. I'm doing Fremont, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I tell I tell people I'm retired. That's what I've been saying when I'm. <laughs> How old are you? Like 27, 25. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I just turned I just turned 30, so I've been like, I, I'm I'm retired. Congratulations! I'm in the same club. I turned 30 in March. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, all the yeah. time. My back hurts. It really is a a great time to turn 30. Um, yeah, I also just did this episode. It's not out yet, but we talked about um, how improv affects stand-up comedy. And you yeah. said you did improv. And I'd like to get your take on it of, um, do you think it, it really uh, helped your stand-up in the beginning? Or does it help your stand-up still? Or um, I feel like they're two different parts of your brain. Like, they're both comedy. But I think a lot of the instincts for both and a lot of the skills for both are pretty, they're pretty different. Like you can be a great, you've seen it before. You've seen like great comedians who are hilarious. They do improv and they're like, I don't know what to do. Then you see incredible improvisers who can kill these like long form scenes that are like 40 minutes long. You put them on stage and they tell a story and they're like, oh, I'm freaking out. Um, I feel like it's, it's always beneficial to have more things in your skill set. It's always beneficial to have more things in your toolbox. If you do improv, like you can probably translate some of those things over to stand up. Um, I felt for a long time, I really, I, I was very, I built a five minutes that I really felt strongly about. So I went everywhere and I wasn't writing new material because I was afraid to bomb. So I would do that for the first year. I did that five minutes over and over and over and over again because you don't want to be bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just want to kill it and i think that when you do improv if you bomb it's kind of okay because you can dig yourself out of it and there's a little bit of freedom you almost like turn that into something and i feel like when i really started opening up as a comic was when i took that improv mindset and applied it to stand up where it was like if you, if it doesn't hit keep going you know what i mean you're not going to stop an improv scene like just keep going try to have more fun um, a huge part of improv is really connecting with that audience and doing that, that's something, it, it wasn't like, oh, I'm writing these jokes for me. It's like, oh, how can I make this audience laugh? And mm -hmm. I think it was something that kind of was in my brain that like helped me kind of mm. navigate things. But, um, but yeah, I think there's things you can pull from both, but they are, they are different skill sets. Okay. So the, um, would you say that like if someone was in stand-up for a couple of years, do you think it would be beneficial for them to take an improv class? Um, for sure. Yeah, I think it would totally help. I think it's going to mess your brain up a little bit just because stand-up is all you. So sharing yeah. this, like, super, wait, what? They get to talk for a minute? Or I'm not going to be on stage for three minutes? Like, what's going on? So that can be, like, kind of weird. I, I would honestly say the transition from improv to stand-up was a little easier for me personally, um, opposed to trying to envision someone going to stand-up to improv. Because, uh, like I said earlier, like, the hardest thing about stand-up is that first set, just getting up to your first mic. And I think that's really intimidating. I think doing an improv scene is a little less intimidating. So it like eases yeah. you in on stage in front of a crowd, having fun, being a little loose. Then you can do that in stand-up. Most for stand-up, it's like, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Fine, I'll do this. I'll take an improv class. What are you guys doing? Why are you guys freaking out? This is easy. Yeah, yeah. And maybe uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but I feel like um, when I... I've a lot of my friends do improv and then they're also comedian, stand up comedians. And uh, so it's like when we're like sitting writing, I can like really, that's when I like see them kind of like, like they're playing and they're kind of like being more free than yeah. I feel like some stand ups can be, uh, especially like in the early years of stand up. And so it's like, I feel like I see it then. I don't know if I always see it on stage but I see it in the writing room of like, oh yeah, you, your improv background is like really flowing right now. It's showing, yeah. Well, and also like, 
if let's just say you're a big joke writer, like you like, you know, your quick one-liners, stuff like that. When you look at a joke, you're like, all right, I have my setup, my punch. And then if I want to play like a game, like an improv, they have, you know, like game. If I want to play a game, I could probably do like a couple quick tags. But in that bit, I'm doing a minute. It's, it's a minute and a half because I want to get to the punch and I want to milk it and play that game and then maybe have like a nice big, you know, second punch to like close it all out. In improv, that's like seven minutes. <laughs> so it's like creating for a lot of comics because they're like, let's just get to the, the twists. Let's just get mm. to, to the, the big boom where improv is like, no, we'll figure it out. Let's play with it. We'll do, we'll heighten it up a little bit. And I think it's frustrating for comics because it's like the, the joke's there. Why are yeah. you, why are you a joke? You know why I mean? are we avoiding this? It's a great yeah. line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see that. I see that at jams. Uh, I, uh, Cause I'll, I'll go to jams. I do not, think of myself as an improviser uh but I, like i hang around and stuff and i'll see that at jams of like the comedians that are like mm-hmm, yeah no let's just and then like yeah. the people that have done improv for a while they're like yeah let's sit in this let's just sit and marinate and the stand-up's like well fine i'll enter with a big old line you know like <laughs> well, let's just say you're doing like a big montage or some long form thing where you can like mm-hmm. wipe stuff if you got two people, if you got like two dudes, a comic might go up and be like, oh, hello, mom. And for them, that's like, oh, we did a joke, wipe it out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's what we need to do, let's keep going. But everybody's like, oh, okay, so I'm your mom, but I'm a male, that's kind of funny. What else can we do with that? Let's play with this. Where I think most comics would be like, we did the bit. That, that yeah. was the bit. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what's uh what's your writing style look like? Like when you do you write weekly, daily? How do you how do you approach writing? I um I think we all have to get better at writing. Um well some people do it really well. <laughs> I'm not one of them. <laughs> That's me, the best um, intro. Well <laughs> we can all be better. Um I feel like uh I, I I like to be I think I've really found my brand and my voice in the last few years. I like being yeah. silly. Um, I like being dark. I like being creepy. I like being, you know, I'm a big like Anthony Jeselnik fan. I'm a big Emo Phillips fan. Like I like when things get a little like, um, yeah. but like at the end of the day, I still want to be a silly guy. You know what I mean? I don't want to be like a dark guy. So I kind of just think of, it, it really is like, let me think of a silly punchline and turn it dark. I mean, sorry, a silly setup that's unusual. And then let me mm. find like the thing that like makes it dark or like pulls the rug under or vice versa. Let me find something really dark. And then how can I put it in a silly world? How can I put it in a fun world? How can I make the tension and the fuh into like, oh, just kidding. It was a, a Play-Doh or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's usually how I go for it. Let me find something um, either super fun and like kind of cringe it up a little bit. Or let me find like a really dark concept that'll build tension. And then how can I release that tension with something like fun and playful? I like that. I like that you, uh, that you think of it that way, that you're like, not only like thinking of the layers of like, what's just funny, you're going, no, but in my approach of what's funny. So. Well, I think that I heard so much coming up was like, what's your brand? What's your brand? Who are you? How do people see you? And I was always like, I don't think that really matters. A funny comic's a funny comic, but it does matter. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, like if it's, let's just say there's a big weed convention and they want comedy, who are they going to call? Doug Benson. You know what I mean? They're going to try to get Doug <laughs> Let's just yeah. say they're really like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like really heavily brandy. Com- if there's like a big like Southern thing, Midwest thing. Yeah. Want. they want a Larry the Cable guy you know what I mean mm-hmm. they want like a Jeff Foxworthy because that's their brand and I think yeah. when you start working on your brand you kind of subconsciously and unconsciously start using that brand to inform how you write because it's like well if I want to be the millennial guy or the drunk comic or the redneck comic or the Filipino dude I have to have that material yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's funny yeah because I never really thought of it that way but it is kind of like a, like a lot of people know that like I have like a deep love for coffee and that yeah. I, I go to like coffee fests and stuff like that. And I also perform at coffee fests. And so, so it's like kind of like, like when they go, ah, who's a comedian for coffee? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it can be a super niche thing. Like look at Ron Funches. Ron Funches is a big wrestling fan. And when that, he started doing bits about wrestling, 
now every wrestling convention that needs a comedian, every wrestling cruise that needs a comedian, yeah. every wrestling that needs like a warm up guy, like it's they're gonna call Ron Punches because he's like the wrestling guy. And it's like, that's so niche. That's such a small thing. Yeah. Well, wrestling, whether it's coffee, whether it's tacos, whatever it is, there's a market for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you do you have a market or a uh, a a thing that you're kind of like this is what I'm fitting into now? Or I've always done a lot of uh, I've always kind of leaned heavily on like the Filipino stuff. I'm half Filipino, so I do a lot of Filipino material. Um, I try to do a lot of uh, how can I throw it? Like it's like the the, the trying to find a good adjective. I do a lot of millennial material from like a I hate being a millennial point of view. Yeah. So like <laughs> I do a lot of stuff where it's like, where do you do this? Where do you do social media? Blah, blah, blah. And I talk a lot about that, but a lot of it's filtered through being like not just a Filipino guy, but like a Mexican and Filipino guy, you know, a minority. You know what I mean? So I feel like I do a lot of that and I try to make it palatable so millennials can hear it and be like, That's funny, we do that. But also so old <laughs> people can be like, We also hate millennials. And I'm like, I do this is why I me buy some merch. Thank you. I <laughs> Here's my t-shirts. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you got introduced to kind of like that idea or like maybe got asked that question so much of like, what's your brand? What's your angle? Because of coming up in LA. Do you think that's, do you think you got exposed to that a little bit quicker or more? Helped or hurt, but I was definitely aware of it. Um, I, I just got signed recently to representation, but you know, putting yourself out there, to be rep by an agent or a manager, that's kind of like in the first couple of questions. You know what I mean? Like, who are you? Like, I have a, a manager right now who we literally had a conversation about down to like my colors. Like, what are your colors? Whether it's like a merch or like if you're gonna put an album, or if you're gonna put out a poster, is it always pink and black? Is it always yellow and purple? Like things like that, where they're very specific. Like, we need your colors. We need exactly who you are, so we can pitch you out to people who are finding that. Um, it's one of those things where I think you organically find it as a comedian. You end up yeah. finding it, you end up finding who you are and you end up finding your brand and not even realizing like, Oh, it's phrased as like, that's my brand. You're like, no, I'm just like an angry Boston guy. And I just kind of <laughs> underwriting angry Boston material. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that I really didn't take seriously until more recently, but it's, it's fascinating to like, even like pitching myself as someone who's Filipino um, or I would even say like Mexipino. I'm half Mexican, half Filipino. Do this big Mexipino bit. There was like a Mexican Filipino corporate like fundraiser that was so like what? It's a Mexican Filipino fundraiser, but they're like, who do we got? Oh, Eric Escobar. And I was referring <laughs> to people know me as like the Mexipino guy. And I'm like, I realize having such a small like narrow thing could actually get me work. You're like, yes, I will do this every year. Thank you so much. <laughs> Awesome. Same material, but I will do it every year. Please. <laughs> you guys will forget about it. It'll be fine. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I didn't, I, uh, I recently had that conversation with a, I worked with a team to build my website and yeah. um, it was like a, the first time in maybe ever, or maybe in so long that I forgot about it, but it's like a real conversation where I had it with, people that are in marketing and then also graphic designers and website developers. And they, they sat down and they went, these are the colors we noticed off of your Instagram. And these are the colors from this. And then also these are kind of like things we approach. And then like they wrote like what they also think like SEO wise would be like me. And so, and it was weird to be like, Oh, that's an accident. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like, like the colors. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, I, I, I didn't plan this, but you're making it sound like I did. So thank you so much for making, for believing in me. <laughs> <laughs> this was all on purpose, every single thing. Yep, yep, you're right. Yes, I do use those colors on purpose. And yep. <laughs> I remember that there was a, what was it? I think I had like a gig or something and they were like, yo, um, do you have any like tough guy photos? And I'm like, what? And they were like, yeah, you look tough. We want you to have like a tough image on the thing and that's when i really like clicked in my head like oh like when they ask for looks for headshots you know get a happy one get a businessy one get a tough one get a relatable one get a casual one get a beach one and i'm like i just thought whatever but when you start like applying to things it becomes like very like noticeable like oh you want like 
specific looks for different things. You know what I mean? Like I can't have like me in shorts and a tank top, like for your corporate show. You know what I mean? Like I need to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny because it's also as comedians, it can be hard to just be like, these are the best photos of me. I don't yeah. really have an angle. Photos. Yeah. 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 I like, I, th- this is it. This is like, I, I don't look terrible in this one. I never really thought about that. Maybe, maybe I should reapproach that. Maybe that's what <laughs> my takeaway from this is, is that I need a, maybe it's I need a tough guy you with a cup of coffee, a happy you with a cup of coffee, a sad you with a cu- they're all just different coffee photos. Just me doing latte saw, art. <laughs> I saw a dope headshot. Huh? It was years back, but this guy, it was a guy's headshot and in it, yep. he was holding coffee and you know how they write your name on the thing. Yeah. So we had his name written on the thing. So instead of just being like, Mark, it was like Mark on the coffee cup and he's like smiling. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I want to steal that, but I also know I'll get shit for it because he's, he started it. All right. I'm just going to delete this part of the interview and I'm just going to go get a photo. (laughs) Three weeks later, every comic has a coffee cup photo. (laughs) And then another thing that I really wanted to ask you about was how did you get into doing a TED talk and then what was that like of doing a TED talk? Uh, um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go, I'll kind of go backwards forward. So we sold, um, or the venue sold 200 tickets for this TED talk. Okay. So we're going to do this TED talk for 200 people. And I was so excited. It was going to be so fun. Day of the TED talk, COVID lockdown in Montana, they refunded all the tickets. No so way. actually, did a TED talk for two camera guys and like the director who's like looking at his iPad. And I was like, uh, thanks. Um, <laughs> You're like, I've performed to empty rooms before. Yeah, I've done an open mic. Same mic I do every Wednesday. This is fine. <laughs> but it was crazy how it turned out. I'm so grateful they did it because they were going to cancel it. But um, yeah, we still did it. The, the process of it was pretty insane. So um, I, I was thinking about doing it. I was in grad school. I had some content that I really wanted to put out in a TED talk. So for, I would say about two, three years, I was applying to just the TED talk website. Like I would see like, Oh, they're doing one in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me just apply and see if that'll work out. Let me oh, log into it. Let me log into yeah. Yahoo. And send it. So I, was, I sent dozens and dozens and dozens of emails out. And then it turned out that a friend that I was going to grad school with was actually working at a school where they were going to do a TED talk. So he's like, I can't really help much, but if you apply, you know, I'll just say, hey, Eric's a friend of mine, whatever. And then that's ended up being the one I booked. So it's crazy because you, it, it's weird because it's almost like clubs. Like you email clubs like once a month for years and they don't respond. Then out of nowhere, you just meet someone and they're like, oh yeah, I'll get you a spot. And it was very much that kind of thing. They're like, um, oh, you don't know David? Yeah, let's meet David. <laughs> you, got, you got some time? Let's just go. Um, <laughs> you a video, a clip? No, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like work I put into doing it then like worked out through a homie which I'm so grateful for but it was it was hilarious that that's that's always how it works out yeah yeah it is funny how it's like I just know a guy and that's it's fine and <laughs> I'm doing a TED talk I was uh we were just hanging out grabbing a beer and I'm just uh for an hour. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, we've all heard that like story where like they're like, I don't know, man. I was at the mall and some guy came up and he's like, "Do you want to be very famous?" And I was like, "I guess so." Sure, and why not? Yeah. Now I'm on this show. It's six seasons in. It's going well. Who's <laughs> like, the Indian guy from Big Bang Theory? You know uh, what I'm I, I I've never even watched an episode. God bless you. That's the right answer. Um. The Indian guy from Big Bang Theory, which is a massive show, I want to say that was, I heard it was like his first or second audition. Really? Imagine just being like, yeah, sure, I'll get into this. Oh, I booked a show. Oh, I'm a millionaire. All right, cool. Let's get dinner. Yeah. <laughs> All of his interviews are like, I don't know, man, it's super easy. You just go to two auditions. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how the game works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, um, I had a similar experience with a club where I emailed them for like years. And uh, never, literally, I don't even know if they opened any of those emails. And then my friend was like headlining and he was like, yeah, can my buddy feature? And they were like, yeah. And then it was just like, and then I was in. And it was just like, all right. (laughs) I'm crying a little bit, but I'm also having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's just, yeah, you never, you really never know how anything's going to happen ever. 
and it's weird because I have a, I have friends who are like, Eric, let me feature for you. Eric, let me open for you. And it's like, yo, if I can, hell yeah. But I've been emailing this spot for seven years. I've uh, driven out uh, seven hours for a couple of guest sets. I'm barely here. I'm barely getting booked. You know what I mean? Like, I will hook you up as much as I can, but I'm, I barely have one foot in here. So just give yeah. it a second. Yeah, there is gigs like that where you're like, uh, I can't start referring or like being yeah. like, can my buddy join? Because they, I, I'm just going to be quiet. I'm not even going to, they said I can have free food and I'm not going to even do that. I'm, I'm going to be low cost. Really, you know what I mean? Like trying to have a free Coke. I would love just like a free Diet Coke. That'd be awesome. No? All right. Here's a $10 tip. Uh, please bring me back. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Awesome. I will be here every year. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite spot you've worked? Do you have like a club that's like, yo, this is, that was probably one of the best days or weekends or whatever. Um, I've become like, if we're just talking comedy club wise, I really do love the Tempe improv. Hell yeah. Um, I've had such a great time there. Uh, Yeah. Always treat me very well. And um, yeah, that's, that's probably like, I'm extremely lucky that I live in the city where I love my Tempe improv. And, um, but if we're talking like just venues overall, I actually really love, uh, the Roxy in Missoula, Montana. Oh, um, word. Yeah. 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 Like when I was touring, uh, I think it was, was it last year or maybe it was a year before everything feels so long ago. Um, but like when I was touring, that was like one of the stops that we made that I was like, Oh, this is like forever on the list. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I actually, I have a crazy Missoula story, if you want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the TED Talk I was doing was in Helena, Montana. And I have a friend, a super funny comic, his name's Lucas, Lucas Seeley. And he was running a show in Montana. And I was like, hey, man, I'm going to be in town. I'm just looking for any stage time. If you can hook it up with anything, that'd be great. And he's like, yeah, I can actually get you a guest set for um, the show we're running. And the headliner is Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> and I'm like hell yeah that's thank you i appreciate you so much this is great this is wonderful um day of the show uh me and my buddy we drive out there a couple hours or whatever and uh gilbert covid just hit so it was when i was in montana covid just hit uh gilbert's doctor was like you can't do the show i'm not gonna put you on a plane put you in front of a bunch of people shake a bunch of hands you're not doing the show so gilbert is gone and they're like eric you close it out but i had to close it out for a bunch of people expecting Gilbert Gottfried. It was really like, oh, I'm sorry, Montana. And half the crowd was so mad, and the other half of the crowd just apologized after the show about the other half being mad. It was great. Go Missoula. So when you did that show, you, you said half was like into it, half eh about it? Because they, they came for Gilbert, and they got screwed. And I didn't mean to do it, but I was also like, yo, I'm here. Uh, I'm chilling. I'm going to do my time. Yeah, yeah. Was that like your intro where you're like, I'm so sorry, I'm not Gilbert. Let's move into my material. To be honest, the, the bad half was so bad that I just steamrolled my material. I think I was doing like 20, 30 that night. I just did joke, 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 joke. Typically, I do a little bit of crowd work. No crowd work that night. You guys are just getting the bits and I'm going to leave and uh, took an Uber here. So you can't keep my car. Thanks. What? <laughs> That's a crazy story. That's fun. Uh, do where was that? That was Missoula. Where do you remember the venue? I don't. So here's the thing. It was a theater that had like a side banquet room attached to it. So it was gonna be in theater, and then they were like, "Yo, we're gonna refund your tickets since Gilbert's not gonna make it." So a bunch of people got their tickets refunded. So they put it in the bank banquet room. Um, I forgot the name of the venue, but I don't think anyone was happy. But I got a free <laughs> vodka tonics, so I'm chilling. <laughs> You're like, just another day in comedy. I... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two more White Claws, please. This has been uh, very excessive. Yeah. So what have you been doing? Because you, like, you have a show tonight in mm-hmm. Vegas, and you're going to be at Laughs very soon. Um, what else have you been doing since comedy has been on life support? Is there, like, have you picked up any new hobbies or? Um, eating. Um... Nice. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm doing Vegas um, tonight. I have Arizona coming up. I just did the East Coast. I did Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. They were all sort of open. I think I did them in like August, September. Um, 
I did Oregon. I did, it was crazy because like the whole city was shut down because of COVID, mm-hmm. but they had a uh, native casino. And if you're on native land, they're like, we're not going to listen to y'all. You screwed us. So the whole town would like go at 10.01 p.m. when everything was closed at this casino. And I was like, this is wild. This is great. Thank you for having me. Oh, my Lord, please stop drinking. Oh, my, that's, please put your gun away. I appreciate it. But um, just trying to pick up road work where I can. Uh, from about March till about June, July, I was doing hella Zoom shows, which mm-hmm. was cool because um, I started in L.A., my area, kind of branched out to other people. But then I started doing Zoom shows in like Berlin, South Africa, Canada, London. And that was really cool. It was, it was a really exciting experience, like work with a bunch of, you know, English comics or South African comics, which it was just dope. Um, in terms of finding a hobby, I'm a big wrestling fan. I've been watching a lot of wrestling. I've been reading. I don't think I knew how to read up until COVID. I never like picked up a book. I never like, you know what I mean? I, never, I didn't think I knew how to read. I would like read a whole book and be like, I don't know what just happened. And put away the Kama Sutra, you know what I mean? But it was like crazy. <laughs> Like, through this quarantine, I've been bla- I've just blasted through Harry Potter. I'm on a book right now uh, by Max Brooks called Devolution, or De-Evolution. Um, mm. I've turned into a big reader since quarantine. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I've been reading, but, like, I really got into, because there's, like, nothing to do in Phoenix for yeah. most, most of this year, right? So, uh, but one of the things that was open was, like, Goodwill. And so I got really into, like, Fixing and thrifting and flipping things and like, you know, like going that route. And I was like, just deep diving. And I could just feel myself being like, I'm just going to pretend comedy doesn't exist. And I'm going to be really into fixing these 1990s uh, electronics and (laughs) selling them. I have a buddy who um, over COVID, he started turning stuff. So he started out with uh, Funkos. He would like buy a ton of Funkos and them online then he started doing pokemon cards then he started doing books so he was like come over to my place i got some books for you i'm like oh thanks man i read so over his place he had three pallets i'm talking maybe like five feet by five feet by five feet just of books and i'm like you're really into this this is great have you made any money he's like we're breaking even i'm like ah <laughs> what about all these books like this is, yeah that many books yeah, I like for me, since it was like, first off, since it's like a hobby thing that I was kind of doing, uh, it wasn't like a career path. Uh, I like joined like the Facebook groups and I could see people where they're like buying truckloads at a time. And I'm like, what do you like? Your house is already full of things. When are you going to get to this new truckload of stuff? And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and I could see them like having like, that's like the memes they would share where they're like, when you go buy 300 new things, but you haven't posted the last 300. And I'm like, exactly. yeah, yeah. And like, I like, uh, I live in a, uh, an apartment, you know, so I'm not like filling up my apartment with stuff. So it's like, I, I have like a little area, kind of like in my podcast area where I'm like, I'm like, I'll buy this much stuff. And then I get rid of it and then I'll fill up again this much stuff. And people were like, you're doing it wrong, man. You got to go big. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to make that commitment. Or that, yeah. I don't <laughs> want to walk. I got a cousin in Seattle and I, every time I work Seattle, I always stay with her and her house is cool. It's like a top level and that's like a level. Then you got a bottom level and the bottom level has like a little guest room, has a shower, mm. you know, other stuff. And um, they built a little like tiny home in their backyard. And I slept in it one time. I crashed in it one time. I'm like, this is great. So I hit him up oh, a year ago. I'm like, hey, I'm passing through Seattle. Can I sleep in the tiny home again? I'm like, no, you can sleep downstairs in the guest room. I'm like, I, I feel like when I'm in the tiny home, it's like my own little thing. I don't have to like, I'm not bothering anyone. I feel like when I stay downstairs, like you have to change the sheets. I'm like, it's going to take a loud shower. Like, yeah. I feel like it's annoying if like I'm in the basement. And like, no, 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 sleep in the basement. I'm like, all right, whatever you want. I'm just looking out for you guys. I just want to stay in the tiny home where it's like secluded. I get there. They just filled the tiny home with all their stuff that they haven't gotten rid of yet. So you can't sleep in the tiny home anymore. And I'm like, oh, I thought you were trying to be nice. You just really bought too many toys and can't resell them on Mercara. Like, I see what's going on. I see the secret. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I also like it was like a real wake up call when I joined those groups and people would be posting and they're like, they're like, yeah, man, I sold this super fast. It only took five months. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, 
like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going down this rabbit hole. So thing, he's like, "Hey, I just found this Pokemon card in like a surprise pack. It's worth like three hundred dollars." I'm like, "That's dope." Checking with him a week later. Yeah, man, it hasn't sold yet, but it's worth three hundred dollars. <laughs> and you're like, "Well, this, you can't get the three hundred. Pointless. I'm like, no, oh, I got rent due." Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, I gotta move through this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when is so you're doing laughs in December, uh, and then anything else you're coming up with in the next in December where you'll be or laughs is kind of like the last thing I'm doing for the year. Um, it's 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 kind of wild because I have some bookings lined up for january february i think i have one thing in march but like these are bookings where it was like i was booked there in april mm-hmm. and they're like oh we'll get you in july yeah Another nap- we'll get you in september we'll get you in december so it's kind of just playing things by ear like yeah. until it hits when i'm like actually there and they're like we're doing a show i'm kind of like i don't know if these bookings mean anything and i appreciate the rescheduling I feel so hard for all these comedy clubs because you know new comics are hitting them up, but they still got to repay all those old comics who are trying to get things going. I'm definitely on Instagram uh, at Eric Escobar, and I try to post stuff there as much as I can. But yeah, keep an eye on that, and you'll see what weird basements and coffee shops I'll be performing at. <laughs> yeah, man, totally. Well, I totally appreciate you coming on the show today, man. I, I really do. I appreciate you, man. I'm really hoping. So I got uh, December 11th and 12th at Laughs Comedy Club. And then on the 15th, I'm actually going to be in, um, at House of Comedy. Uh, I'm doing that uh, really super cool Triple Threat Thursday or Triple Threat Tuesday show. But uh, in the middle, I'm still looking for some shows, might do a thing here or there. But regardless, man, it's great to meet you virtually and hopefully we can like grab a beer while I'm in town or something. Yeah, yeah, we'll totally. We'll grab a coffee. I got yeah, coffee. Yeah, I was going to say, we're either going to grab coffee or we're going to a Goodwill. I think those are the two <laughs> options. As long as we're not getting coffee from the Goodwill, that's secondhand coffee, man. A lot of floaties. <laughs> a lot of floaties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I don't think the bean quality is quite there yet, but uh, they're working on it. <laughs> it's a light roast. It's just a yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Too light for me. Uh, <laughs> kind of raw. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. But I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, again, what was your Instagram? And then I know you have a website too, or? Yeah, Instagram is at Eric Escobar. It's Eric with a K. Website is ericescobarcomedy.com. Um, like you beautifully brought up earlier, I have that TED Talk. You can check that online. You got some stand-up online. Um, yeah, doing a fun, a lot of fun stuff. And uh, I'm not allowed to talk about it, but I will say I am on a new show that's pretty exciting, and it's, it's going to happen to watch commercials on your television I, I, I might get in trouble. They might sue me because I'm saying this, but a new thing's coming out. If you follow me, you'll see all about it. Awesome. Yeah. And then when it does come out, uh, there'll be links down below. So if you're listening to this in the future, there'll be more about it in the, in the Editing, show. Notes. Ending on the editing and the ratings, for sure. There will be links. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> if not later, I'll re-edit this episode and that will be removed. <laughs> But uh, yeah, thanks again, man. And I've been your host, Zach Lyman. This has been the Zach Lyman Podcast and outro music. <laughs>